Well, in case you haven't noticed, today is Super Bowl Sunday. I mentioned it briefly earlier. It starts at 6.30 for those of you that are thinking about watching it. It is the most watched broadcast of any event the whole year through in the U.S. Over 100 million people last year watched it, and maybe even more this year. Some just to see whether Tom Brady and the Patriots will lose or not. Yeah, it is a matchup between two teams that are both very good. The, the Patriots have a worse record than the Rams. They are 11-5. and five. The L.A. Rams are 13-3. and three. And it is the game of all games as far as American football goes. I found a few uh, interesting um, humor items about football for you today. You can tell these on any team, but I'm going to start first with New England. If you have a card containing, and this is a riddle, a Patriots running back and a Patriots linebacker and a Patriots defensive back, who is driving the car most likely? A police officer. How about that? What's the difference between the New England's Patriot co coach and a carp? One is a bottom-feeding scum sucker and the other is a fish. Yeah, that's pretty low, isn't it? I, I'm an equal opportunity offender today, all right? A couple on the Rams. Yeah, yeah, a couple on the Rams. What do the L.A. Rams fans do when their team wins the Super Bowl? They turn off their Xbox gaming system and they go to bed. <laughs> this last one, this is my favorite, a little risque. I questioned whether I should tell it. What do the L.A. Rams and Billy Graham have in common? They both have the ability to make a stadium full of 70,000 people stand up and yell, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and Billy Graham for the right reasons, I would say. Well, whichever team wins, they're going to tonight lift up the Lombardi Trophy. And... This is a tradition that goes back in the National Football League 53 years. This is the 53rd year it will be awarded. And tonight, on a very big stage, on a platform there on the field at Ben's Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. It is named after Vince Lombardi, of course, the Green Bay Packers coach that won the first two of those. The Lombardi Trophy is lifted up as a sign of victory in a great competitive and very popular sport for the most part. I got to thinking about that for us as Christians. And for this Super Bowl Sunday, how is it that we are called to live? Is it to live mediocre and just plain lives with no effect whatsoever? Or is it to live a life victoriously and to conquer, to overcome all things that life throws at us? and that challenge us. I believe, and Paul believes, that in all things we are to be more than conquerors because of our faith in Jesus Christ. I want to speak to that briefly today and end with the video. And a few things that we can understand about, Mike, if you will, characteristics of champions. The first is understanding our role is in a greater struggle. Life is not just all on us, is it, for those who believe? 
a football game. Win or lose is not just upon one player, though we might sometimes say the quarterback won that game or lost that game. What do we know? We know it's part of a greater effort. There is a team of players. There are coaches. It is a struggle going on in a bigger way, and each player understands their role. And they get to that level, at least for the Super Bowl, because they're very good at it and excellent at it. But none of them will tell you that they're going to win or lose the game. They know that there are, are coaches, uh, a head coach conducting the symphony uh, of football on the field, keeping all the parts working together, managing the clock, if you will. They know there are offensive and defensive coordinators who are directing which routes should be taken, which plays should be run. They know that up in the press box, high above, with a perspective greater than just their one position, that there is someone up there watching, understanding the problems and the weaknesses of the opposing teams, making adjustments along the way. And all of this leads to a team coming together and proclaiming victory after the game has been won. Well, for us as of Christian faith, we recognize that we are a part of a larger struggle, a spiritual struggle in this world and in our lives, and yet the battle, the, the, the game is not rising and falling upon us. The pressure of that is not all coming down upon us. We're part of a cosmic struggle, a bigger battle between good and evil and darkness and light and, and God and, and Satan as the Bible would lay it out. And our role is to simply to play our position of following Christ faithfully. Now, what does that mean? That means that whatever you do, you do it with Christ in mind. That means that you are faithful through and through to Christ in all that you do. And it means whether you win or lose, you continue in playing that role as a follower of Christ. Who will win the Super Bowl? Well, we don't know tonight. Maybe you think you do. I think I do. The odds makers would say that New England's going to edge out um, Los Angeles. But, but, who do we know will win the battle of faith that we walk? Jesus Christ has already showed us that over things that are terrible and dark in this world, including death, he has already given to us a conquering spirit. We understand our role is simply to faithfully follow in his footsteps. And we believe that in all of that, something powerful and victorious will come to pass. Champions also are willing to suffer the cost. Have you noticed that before? Do you think that these football players that are playing in the Super Bowl tonight just show up on Sundays at their prospective stadiums through the year and, and just suit up and say, all right, fellas, let's, let's play a game of ball? No, it doesn't happen that way. How much are they practicing during the season? Every day except for maybe one, right? Again and again they practice. They get out there, they learn their routes, they they understand the chemistry, the timing of plays. They do all things to their very best every day so that when game day comes, they will be ready and sharp and able to do what it is that their role calls them to do. 
to play their position. And the same goes for us, doesn't it? That people of the Christian faith, followers of Christ, are not just called to show up on Sunday and, and say, all right, let's suit up and worship for an hour, maybe come to Sunday school for an hour. But every day we're called to be out there practicing that faith, following in the footsteps of Christ, every day practicing that out, laying it on the line, holding nothing back in all that we do in our faith, being totally committed to <clears throat> the game of faith and to the kingdom which we believe is on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Paul talks about, doesn't he, quite frankly, in this passage of Scripture to the Christians in Rome and to us today of all the hardships and struggles that we're going to hit in life and how important it is to remain faithful to Christ through it all. It is um, a difficult thing, this life is. Am I right? It is hard enough just to make it through the day. We've got to pray just to make it through the day as one singer famously said. But not only that, to follow in faith, faithfully live, is even more difficult than just living day by day. And yet we believe that in the background there is a hand at work and that there is a, a plan in place and that all will come together for victory and for conquering over these things even though we may suffer. Paul lists these things, trouble and hardship, persecution, and that means being challenged in your faith, hunger and nakedness, danger and sword. And then he quotes from Psalm 44 what the psalmist writes, that, that longing he is writing hundreds of years before, asking God to come and to save him and to show his love. For your sake we face all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul is writing to the church in Rome because he knows that Rome is a very hostile environment, a very, a very difficult place for Christians to live, and it would become more so under rulers such as Nero that would persecute them even unto death. Paul knew that suffering challenges faith and, and that our challenges each day in our life, no matter how great or small, are going to call into question whether we believe and follow Christ or we don't. It's hard. It's difficult. And Paul knows because he suffered great hardship himself that those who persevere are those that in the face of difficulty and challenge and suffering remain faithful to the cause. That's true of champions, that they can see beyond the current struggle and fight that they face because they know that there is a greater power at work through them and in them, not just themselves. And the last characteristic of champions that I'll mention today is, is one of a belief that we can conquer all things through Christ. How did Paul so beautifully write it that, that um, he who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all, he will also graciously give us all things. We 
have been given victory over life and all that comes with it, the good and especially the bad, when we, we believe that Christ will give to us a victory we cannot win for ourselves. The struggle is not ours, it's God's. And we are reminded of that today. And we are reminded that in all things God overcomes. Yeah, another football caveat, and I'll close with this before the video I'll share with you. And it came out of last July 2018, a press conference for the Atlantic Coast Conference. It was all of the football coaches, head coaches, um, having a big press conference before the season began. Down in Charlotte, all the coaches were there, were asked questions and interviewed. And one of the coaches, uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Swinney, uh, was asked a question. Now then, six months ago, it was not known that Clemson, his team, would go on and win the national championship, what, three, four weeks ago, over Alabama. They thumped them, sorry Alabama fans, pretty, pretty handily, 44 uh, to 16, I think it was. But in that conference six months before, Dabo Sweeney was asked an interesting question because he is a person of faith, and he's pretty outspoken about it. Here's the question thrown at him by a reporter. Uh, it said, whenever you, you raise a trophy on the field, you always talk about things that are bigger than football, um, like God and your faith. Can you speak to that for a minute? And Dabo Sweeney did speak to that for a few minutes, and... And he said basically this, I paraphrased a little bit to shorten it up, uh, talking about his faith and how no matter what may come into his life, win or lose, his faith enables him and, and allows him to walk confidently in all things. And he said, I began a relationship with Christ when I was 16, and that was a game changer for me. That's really become the foundation of my life. Because it's hard to survive and thrive in this world if you don't have a spiritual foundation. Something that will give you peace. Life is hard and we're all going to experience death and failure and setbacks and disappointments and illness because it really is a difficult world. And for me, God has always given me the hope and peace through my relationship with Christ to know that he has plans for good for me and not plans for disaster in the end. And so I've taken that and applied it to my life journey, he said, and I have found that wherever there is hope in the future, then there is power in the present. I love that. Did you hear that? I have found that whenever there is hope in the future, there is power in the present to deal with whatever mess you're going through in life. And I want us to hear today Paul's words echoing through the ages of truth and of great power and strength that, that God gives to us hope for the future because <clears throat> he gives to us his power in the presence. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul wrote. And so no matter what it is that you face in the week to come, challenges to your faith, difficulties that make you just want to give up and throw in the towel, 
Know that you have a great Savior and a great future ahead of you because of the power and the presence of Almighty God. And so I thought it was fitting today for us to end with, with the video. This is uh, about an NFL quarterback. He's not playing in the Super Bowl tonight, but, but Kirk Cousins played his first season with Minnesota Vikings this year. Had a good season, though the team didn't fare very well in the end. But the video is about his faith and him speaking to that and believing that God hand is in all things even in the difficult and challenging times and I was inspired and wanted to share with you as we understand and reflect upon what it means to be conquerors in Jesus Christ Bob if you'll play that I remember one time in third grade, a, a kid came over as we were just playing catch innocently. He just came over and he said, you really throw the football well. And I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, no, 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 you really throw the football well. And I thought, oh, okay. Played my very first varsity game my junior year of high school, and I knew that this was a big year for recruiting. So I knew that I needed to play well to have a chance to play in college. And in the very first quarter, of the very first game of my very first varsity season, I got hit on my left side and, and broke my ankle. And I remember driving back from the hospital with a cast on my ankle. And there were tears in my eyes and I called my dad and I said, Dad, because I'm gonna miss this season, it means that I can't play in college. The dream is over, if you will, to play in college. And my dad said, Kirk, you don't know that. Uh, think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. At that moment, as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I made Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 my life verse. And um, from that moment on, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him and let him sort out the rest. A year and a half ago, I said it would be impossible to play college football. And now I'm signing a full scholarship to have college paid for to play for a school that would have been my dream school all along. You know, that was only the beginning, and yet at that time I thought that alone uh, teaches me what it means to walk by faith and how big God is, and yet God said, Kirk, I, I haven't done anything yet. I'm going to take you on a journey here. Just keep trusting me. The night before the draft, my dad sat our family down, and he read from 1 Samuel 16, where David is anointed king. And he said, this passage has the feel of a draft because Samuel goes to the home of Jesse and he says, bring out your sons from your sons will be the next king. Well, he goes through the, the first and he says, surely this must be the one. I mean, he looks the part. And the, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, no, he's not the one. And then he goes through each one and he goes through seven. And the Lord says no to all of them. And so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord said the seven you brought to me are not it. He said, well, I have one more, David. He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was in the running. So David, he said, bring him. So David's brought before Samuel. Samuel sees him and the Lord says, that's the one. And my dad's point to me was, Kirk, there's a lot of outward appearance looking going on right now around the NFL with the draft. And there will be going forward. Ultimately, as you've seen through your upbringing, the Lord directs your steps. The Lord has his hand on your life. And the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance. The Lord is looking at the heart. 
my dad came over and he said, Kurt, do you know what number quarterback you were? And I said, no, I, I don't. I said, I know there's usually 10 or 11 that get picked in the draft every year. He said, you were the eighth quarterback. He said, we read 1 Samuel 16 two nights ago, and David was the eighth son of Jesse. He said, I think the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying, Kirk, I have my hand on your life. When you fly to Washington, just trust me that I've got the next year, two, three, four, whatever it may be, under my control. probably had more where are you God moments than I have had the moments where I know he's near but I look back and I see he's faithful and he knows what he's doing and he gives us just enough I want to see lives changed for the kingdom and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel but also not only to come to know Jesus through the gospel, but then to make him Lord of their life and to see what I've seen in terms of decades of the Lord's hand guiding a life. And that's a journey that we're all on and we're all in different places on that journey. But um, that's what I want my life to be about.